Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of We The First Podcast. This episode is a little different as we tackle the conversation around mental health. And to help us have this conversation, I interviewed my dear friend, Brianna Wilson, about her journey to mental wellness. Stay tuned after the interview for Affie and I's candid conversation. I'm Miriam, And I'm Effie. And this is We The First, where we're creating dialogue around our lives as first-generation Americans and the journey to breaking generational curses and traditions. So listen up and let's spark some conversation. Before we get started with everything, I know me and you, we've known each other for a very, very long time. Um, almost 10 years or 10 years by now. Nah, I think it's almost, yeah, I think 10 or 11. Yeah, it's been a long time. Um, we're getting old. Anyway, <laughs> um, but for those that don't really know you, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, my name is Brianna Wilson. I'm 26 years old. Um, I'm a mother. I'm a student. I work and I love to cook just all around busy, full plate. Yes, you're always busy, but you're killing it at the same time. Thank you. Yeah. So like I said, we've known each other since high school and we've been through a lot together. We with each other um we've seen a lot and been through a lot um but i want to ask you what does or how does mental health relate to you as a person well mental health relate to me as a person um because i went through uh serious bouts of depression and anxiety even though i'm doing much better now um it just made me more insightful on how it can impact someone maybe open my eyes to like the other other people's perspective and what they might be going through so like things we see as like someone's acting out acting irrational acting angry it helped me connect with them in a way of maybe this person is going through something so I think it definitely had a a great impact on me yeah and um when did you first notice, um, cause you said you had a history with depression and anxiety. Um, what are, would you say that there were some first signs to it? Do you know when it began? Do you, can you pinpoint like, this is when it started, when I started to feel these things? Well, I noticed something was wrong. Uh, I would say my freshman year of college, I was acting um, really irrationally. Um, I was really like moody, upset. Uh, I felt like things were just, I couldn't cope with things that were normally things that people could cope with. That's when I noticed something was different. But if I can think of a starting point, looking back, I think I always exhibited these signs or of Mm. these behaviors, like high school, maybe even as early as middle school. um, When I look back, so I, I couldn't actually pinpoint a starting point. But when I noticed uh, the signs, I would say it would be freshman year of college. And when you first noticed the signs, what were your first thoughts? Did you automatically say, okay, I must be like depressed or, oh, this must be anxiety. Like, what were your feelings? Did you think anything of it at the, in the very beginning? I actually did not. Like it didn't occur to me until one of my roommates at the time, uh, brought up the idea of seeing a counselor Mm. and like, it kind of like clicked at that moment. Like, you know, maybe is there something wrong with me, like mental health, maybe I should go see a counselor. But prior to that, I had like 
no inclination of what could be wrong with me. It, it didn't occur to me that this is depression, this is anxiety because of what is, you know, growing up, it wasn't really talked about as far as, you know, you just have this yeah. ideal that someone who has depression or anxiety is crazy, you get straight jacket, you get, you know, the bad stigma of psych wards and everything. So I didn't even, because that was my image of what depression, anxiety was, I didn't even think that I, you know, had this issue. Yeah. And I, it's interesting that you say that as like we, growing up, we don't think about those types of things or no one talks to us about it. So we, that's not the first thing that's going to come to our mind. We're like, what is wrong with me? Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Am I going crazy? But there's actually a, a rationale to it. So it's interesting that you said that. Um, did So you said that your roommate mentioned you going to counseling. Did you end up seeking counseling at that point? I did. It wasn't until after um, I had my first panic attack, which mm. I had no idea what a panic attack was. So my roommate called 911 for me. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm dying. Something's wrong. <laughs> I can't breathe. And once I, you know, after what she said about seeking counseling and then doctors telling me I had a panic attack, that's when I decided, you know what, maybe I should start utilizing the counseling services on campus. And that's when I decided to make an appointment. Yeah. Did it, did it help? Do you think that counseling helped? I definitely think it helped as long as I had the right counselor. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can have someone who's just, you know, they're doing, they are doing their job, but they just cannot be a match for you. Just like you would want a doctor yeah. that's a match for you. You will want the same thing with your counselor. So I had some counselors who, you know, I didn't care too much about, but I definitely had counselors who I really matched well with and those counselors worked well. Yeah. So at that time, you started to understand what you were going through. You seeked out counseling. Were you open with your parents at that point about what was going on? Honestly, no. I, uh, I think I went two years wow. battling this before I decided to even open up to my parents about that. And it wasn't in, even, in, I didn't even open up into them until I actually committed myself to a, a, a psychiatric hospital for mm. a couple of days and even so while in the psychiatric hospital I remember I think we were having you not tell my mother that I was there because I refused and it wasn't until uh, talking to the counselor there or they're like you know you need you know family support as well in this and that's when I decided to open up to my parents so I, I actually battled this for two years before opening up to anyone in my family. And that's a long time to go through something like that without talking to people that you're closest to besides your friends and things like that. What, what made you not want to open up to your family? What made you not want to open up to your parents? I felt like uh, maybe they wouldn't understand because like, like I said, it wasn't a big topic um, discussed in my family. So I felt like, you know, I would be labeled or stigmatized. So I didn't want to do that. I also didn't want to disappoint anyone, I guess, with that stigma. Disappoint, like, oh, you know, Brianna's in college. She's doing so well and everything. And then to hear that, you know, um, I'm thinking about suicide and I'm, you know, in a psychiatric hospital, I would think that they would start to be either disappointed or change their view of me. So mm. I just hesitated to even bring it up until it was absolutely necessary. Yeah. And I do remember... Um 
in college where it was like, you didn't want your mom to know, you didn't want your dad to know, but you also were very scared of them worrying about you, um, being too scared. Cause I know your mom had to ended up coming up to the university for a little bit of time to be with you. Um, do you feel, did you feel better when you opened up to your, your parents? I actually did because once I did open up because the psychiatric hospital wasn't releasing me in the three-day time period unless I was released to a family member mm. but um, it was nice actually having my mother up there for the the like she said about I think maybe like four or five days it was just nice being able to open up not having to hide anything where I feel like I was able to be myself with no extra burden on my shoulders on top of the carrying the burden of depression and anxiety so it was actually great and in turn I actually actually after talking to my mother mm -hmm. it started to get the gears rolling in her head and she decided to um start thinking like you know what maybe I suffer from depression and anxiety too and from there my mom also decided to seek uh counseling services you know what's funny like I feel like a lot of our parents or like the generation before us they kind of ignored the signs of things that they went through because like you said, it wasn't a thing like thinking about mental health and thinking, oh, I might be actually going through something and making sense of it. I don't think they actually wanted to accept it for themselves. But we see it a lot. Like we see it in our, we can like, we can look at one of our aunties or something like that and be like, mm, this I think she's going through something, but she's probably never going to accept that she's going through something. Um, but I can't really blame them because it's not something that they know. Right. It was just so taboo for them to even like, un like even seek those type of resources or utilize those resources. Yeah. So taboo that they didn't even, they weren't even able to pass that down to, you know, our generation. Mm. So I'm happy that in a, in a sense, I kind of became the first person, like the catalyst in my family. You did. So now so many more people like actually talking back, speaking of aunts, talking with my aunt, I remember maybe like a year or two ago before when she was laid off and she um, was looking for a job, she was telling me how about long stints of being home, how it made her feel depressed. And I feel like she only opened up to me about this because she knew that I had a, a battle with depression. So I figured, figured that in a way I kind of helped her too because I feel like she wouldn't have told anyone about this uh, prior yeah. to my you know stint with depression and anxiety yeah it's like you broke that barrier you became that you you became a first generation in that sense of breaking the walls and opening the doors to those possibilities so kudos to you thank you yeah. thank you I'm so excited <laughs> about that so excited so in the beginning, um, that all of that happened, do you think that you're much more open about it now? Oh, definitely. I, um, like before, like before all the, you know, I was comfortable with talking about everything. Mm -hmm. I would hide it from like any and everyone who came across. And now if the topic of mental health come up, I'm the first person to discuss it. No embarrassment, no shame or anything, because I feel like once I reached out to those people and it, it stuck with them to utilize their research sources and open up, I feel like I can be the person that sticks in someone's head and be like, you know what? Yeah. Let me utilize my resources. Let me talk to Brianna. So I feel like 
now I'm just an open book about it. It honestly doesn't matter who it is. I have no issue telling, you know, friends, family, you know, of course it comes up in conversation, but it's definitely much easier for me because I learned to accept it. Yeah. And you've known you personally, you came a long way and I can also attest to it wasn't easy for you at all. That's why I put, I always bow down to your strength um, because I know I've seen where you've been and I see where you are now. Um, Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to get emotional today, girl. Not today. (laughs) So what do you think? um, Because I know nowadays or at this time that we're in is much more of a topic now. People are talking about it. It's not hidden. Um, but do you think that there's still some stigmas around mental health that need to be broken? Um, absolutely. Like, mm. I still think that, um, especially in the Black community, that people think that if you're too, you know, dealing with anxiety, for example, uh, people think you're too worrisome or too uh, sensitive, it gives you that stigma that's like, oh, you know, you're not strong enough. So I feel like that it kind of attest to strength for some reason mm. in, uh, in our community as far as like, oh, if you can't cope with this on your own or, you know, or you're not strong enough or you, you bow down to the people and like, wow, she does this on her own without seeking help. And mm. that that's viewed as strength. So I feel like we have this like skewed perspective of strength when people uh, think about mental health. So I definitely think that one of the top stigmas is uh, people think that they're not strong enough when they have to utilize things such as medication or counseling services, when in reality, the strongest thing you can do is help yourself because mental health is still health at the end of the day. Yeah. I love that. I love the way you said that because that's really a thing. Like we don't think about, I think in the black community and even in the African community, um, we don't try to make sense of our emotions. Like, every emotion is something if you're anything but okay or anything but what they see as normal is like what is going on with her like that's not you should be sad for that or you shouldn't be feeling like this for that there's no explanation for it and it's hard growing up I know in the African community for me when I feel a certain way I feel like I have to stop feeling that way I feel like I have to be like Oh, I'm I'm sad, but nothing happened to me. So why would I be sad? Or I don't feel like, I don't feel, I'm not in the mood today, but nothing happened to me. So why am I not in the mood? Instead of actually just saying, okay, I feel like this and I need to accept that I feel like this. And that's something that we definitely need to work on. Definitely a like, huge believer of that. I feel like um, people tend to like judge people when they don't view or experience things the same way that you know they would do it themselves so like for example like you said why do I feel sad someone like that people tend to brush off people's feelings saying like Mm -hmm. oh you should not be sad for that because they wouldn't be sad for that but people have to understand that people experience things differently and they can't feel your feelings from you you can only you can only relate to someone through your own experience so people tend to put their own experiences in someone else's shoes and Mm -hmm. I feel like they end up judging people because they, oh, you should not feel this way yeah. or you should not do things this way. And I think that's one of the biggest problems also as I far agree. as uh, mental health too. I agree. So 
in that sense, what do you, what is your response when people, or when you see things where people say, oh, mental health is not real or certain things are exaggerated, you know, those skeptics when there's people, cause I've heard people say to me, like, there's no such thing as mental health. It's just something that was created um, to make people feel or um, to justify certain things. So what is your response to that? Well, my first response, I like hit it with a little bit of science because technically uh, depression or anxiety is a chemical imbalance in your brain. So it can happen at any point because, you know, situational, you know, something can cause your serotonin levels to drop. So I'll explain that how, you know, there's an imbalance in your brain, just like you would have something wrong with your liver and imbalance in your liver and imbalance in your heart. And it requires medical attention. So I'll hit them with that. But I also would tell them that the key word in mental health is still health. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't walk past someone who fell down and broke their leg right in front of you. You would tend to them. You would get them a cast, you know, call 911, do anything that is needed to help that leg heal. And I feel like I will tell them the same thing, you know, in order for my brain to heal, I need to seek counseling. I may need to take medication that balances my hormones temporarily or, you know, permanently dependent on the person. Mm-hmm. So I'll just explain to them how the health aspect is still the same as physical health. And that is, it's not fiction. Yeah. I think that that's beautifully put. Look at you mm-hmm. with your words and your diction and all your, and everything. You know, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is, that is perfect because I've, I've heard it plenty of times, especially in the African community. Um, someone even said to me that they don't think that there any there's anyone in Africa that has mental health issues. And it's like, what? How is it possible that the, <laughs> no one in the whole continent has ever <laughs> dealt with some type of mental health issue? Or, like everyone has dealt with things mentally. So how are you? I don't know. I'm not even going to get into it. Because it's <laughs> it's mind boggling now. <laughs> yeah, that's just another whole conversation. That's things that you don't even get too deep into because it makes no sense. But the last thing I want to ask you is what do you think, what are you, what are some things that you want to do? Um, Cause I know you have your son and what are some things you want to do with him that's different than what was done with you and some things that you would like to see for people to do with the future generations? Um, some things I would do personally uh, with my son is a, uh, always encourage talking I feel like um, we don't do enough talking to our children to understand them it's like parents just implement this is what I say goes this is how you should feel this is how you're gonna feel about this situation so I feel like that kind of mentally mess you up because you know you're you're branching off of that it's now I can't talk to my mother and, and father because you know they told me how I should think how I should feel and now you know there comes a time when you really really need me and you don't feel as though you can reach out to me. So one thing I'm big on is uh, talking, really talking to my child, even though right now it's being mad over Legos and fire trucks. I try to emphasize, you know, instead of saying you shouldn't be mad at that cell, I ask him, why are you upset? And give him a chance to tell me why he's upset, not why I shouldn't think he's upset because okay. our experience is different. When, you know, a fire truck falling over may not be a big deal for me as an adult, but in a three-year-old world, that fire truck falling over is the end of the world. So 
I just feel like personally implementing talking is a good thing um, for the future generations, um, especially for men. I feel like we should teach them to embrace their feelings, actually feel their feelings. A lot of people are emotionally challenged because they weren't allowed to feel how they're supposed to feel, especially men because of that skewed uh, view of masculinity. So if I feel this way, you know, it, it fringes upon my masculinity. So I definitely think we should like kind of tear the barrier down with that and start letting people just feel their emotions as human beings, not as, oh, you're a man, you're not allowed to feel upset about this, that, and the third. So I definitely want to, you know, bash at the fresh, fresh uh, sorry, fragile masculinity barrier and let everyone be able to feel how they're supposed to feel, how they yes. want to feel rather. Yes, I love all of that. <laughs> and I know that for me personally, I like to use you as like a catalyst for things like that. It's like sometimes when I'm dealing with my, my twins, I'm like, what would Brianna do in this situation? She would not yell at them right now. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I'm like, I know she probably will, but like, should I? <laughs> my sister always tells me that um, I'm very patient. Don't get me wrong. I, I yell. I yell every day. Yeah. <laughs> but We're not it, perfect. I don't, I don't yell. I don't always yell immediately. And one thing I always do make an, a note to do is apologize to my son when I'm wrong or when mm. I feel like I acted out of proportion. Like, you know, this response didn't, you know, call for this level of severeness. So just mm. yesterday I yelled at him for picking up something off the table that he shouldn't have touched. But I realized that the amount of yelling that I did wasn't really the, you know, correct level for that response. So I did call him back, apologize, explain the dangers of why he shouldn't touch that, gave him a hug and, you know, we're back to that. So normalize apologizing to your kids when you're wrong. I think that's strength. And that's <laughs> also like kudos because that's not something that I don't think our parents can do that. <laughs> no, I don't think I was apologizing. It was I got yelled at, and then they tried to they tried to like win me back just by starting a conversation. Yeah, or like you you hungry? You hungry? <laughs> that was a big one. I'm ordering food. Do you want something? You just yelled at me to smithereens an hour ago. You didn't even call for that to smithereens. No, but seriously, like that's something that not a lot of people have the strength to do because they see it as weakness. And it's like, you can still apologize to your child for, you know, or admitting when you're wrong, that's teaching them a lesson. Um, but at the same time, teaching them that what they've done is wrong. So I love all of these lessons. Thank you so much for um, sharing your knowledge and your insight and your story, um, because I think that your story alone can help a lot of people. So thank you for being open. Well, thank you for having me. Dang, so that was a good interview. Like, I really, really like that. That shed light on a lot of things that I didn't know about her situation especially with her being around all the time. Like, that's like an older sister to me. Like, y'all were best friends for the longest. So that that showed me a lot of things I didn't know before. And, like, it's a, she, made, she, she made a lot of growth. Like, I could see her. She's way more radiant now. 
as she seems happier she seems healthier um but like how did you feel doing that interview like or afterwards after the interview um I mean so honestly when I think about it the only overwhelming feeling I had while doing the interview is like you know because we talked about the journey from the beginning all the way to now and I was just I'm just happy to see where she is like that's how I felt the whole time I just had an overwhelming happiness and um like kind of a a a gratefulness for seeing how far she's come Um, because she's been through a lot and she's definitely overcome a lot of what she's been through so I guess that's and I was happy that she did the interview because her story her story could resonate with a lot of people no definitely because like I didn't I didn't really know much about depression or anxiety and things like that until Brianna was like became a part of our lives like I didn't really know much about that especially living in an African household they disregard things like mental health so I didn't really know anything about mental health at all that's crazy like I remember my first introduction to mental health through her I had to be at least like 15 16 years old and that's a good enough age to be able to like know what mental health is or most people discover what mental health is before that when they live in certain right. environments or whatever but I didn't have no like when you when people went through things emotionally just the minimum of being emotional like mm-hmm. not even mental health like just the minimum of being emotional in an African household wasn't allowed so I just felt it like like, what is this mental health thing? This is strange. This is something. Okay, let me go look into it. I looked at it as, like, maybe some type of scientific type, crazy type stuff. Like, I never really understood. Yeah, and I think that's that's interesting you said that because at one point, you know, in the interview, she was talking about how she became kind of, she broke that barrier for her family because she's kind of, like, she's broke a curse in a way by um opening up about her mental health and seeking help for her mental health and understanding it so when you said that it makes me think like she didn't only break barriers in her family she broke barriers even for us like for us to even think about mental health in a way that we've never thought about it before and even like you know because she's very close to our family and our parents like even you know our parents wanted to understand it and make sure she was okay and they always felt like they had to ask me like how is she doing now is she better and they're actually recognizing that she has a mental health condition she has something that is beyond her like like you you said it's literally health like like she said a lot of people disregard the fact that they disregard the word health when it comes to the whole thing of mental Mm -hmm. health like this just as much like she said just as much as you will have a health problem with your heart or your liver or whatever it's like that is internally you don't have control over it from the outside so if you have a heart problem you can't heal it from the outside you got to heal it from the inside and and it's really a chemical imbalance like I learned that from her that mental health is literally Mm -hmm. something within that's a chemical imbalance something that's a health problems that's not something that's made up mental health is not something that's made up mental health is not something that's 100 percent just off of emotions 
It doesn't yeah. work that way. And I like how she mentioned how, like, she didn't want to tell her parents in the beginning or she wasn't really comfortable with talking about it because of the stigma around it. And, um, like, the stigma of crazy or, like, this person is in a psych ward or whatever. Like, um, it made me think about what the stigma is in the African community <laughs> because I don't think there's a stigma. No. I think that um, in the African community there's kind of a non-existence of it. Like, they just don't acknowledge it, that it's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I don't think there's any stigma around it within the African community. I think that they just believe that mental health is non-existent. Like, it's something that's just made up, that it's an American thing. Like, it's a it's a civilized or person that's deep in their self thing, type thing, you know? That's so, weird too. So like, like an American thing. Yeah, like it's not that's the thing, like it's a lot of people in Africa like that has mental health issues, but like you said, I think one time you told me about somebody saying that they think that mental health doesn't exist in Africa at all. Like I'm Yeah. Like, <laughs> what is that? Like but yeah, it's um but I feel like now like, I don't know if you agree with this, but I feel like now, um, I don't think there's so much of a stigma as it was before around mental health here in America like, than it was before. Mm. I feel like it was worse before because when you had a mental health issue before, you would just be labeled as crazy. But now they'll some people are able to recognize their peers and the people around them that might have depression or anxiety or something else going on, like... They understand the reactions of their friends and stuff like that because of mental health. So yeah. it's just like, no. I definitely what, like. Think what you think I, about that? Do you think it's still a stigma? No, I think there. I think like she said. She said it perfectly. Like she said that it's better. You know, it's getting better. People are definitely talk about it now. No doubt. Um, but I feel like there's still some stigma around it. Like, and I love how um, when I asked her what kind of stigma or what things I can't remember the question. It was like, what things would you like to see differently with mental health? And she was saying that she wished that more men will be in touch with their feelings and like men will, she said like men will feel your feeling or like not be too emotionally challenged. Uh, And I thought that was interesting because that is a stigma there is still a little bit of a stigma around men being men and not allowed to have feelings. And I think that's even huge in the African community because um, even when they talk about little things like talking about dads not showing emotions to their kids, like even just thinking about that. They think it's normal. Yeah, like they, they, they find it so weird to, not all of them, not all of them. But there is this kind of culture around dads not being too close to their kids or showing too much emotion to their kids or being too open with their kids. And I think deeply it has something to do with being a man and not opening up and not showing that you actually have emotions other than seriousness. <laughs> yeah, or being that just a sole provider and I'm taking care of this and I'm holding a fort down like... And, like, especially the thing with, like, even in America here, like, disregard, like, the whole African thing, from the time a little boy is young, 
if you fall mm-hmm. on a bike or something small happens. Man up. They'll be like, the mom, I had a situation where they, I would see moms comfort and their son. And they'd be like, leave him alone. He's a boy. Leave him alone. Don't be trying to baby him. He's a boy. Like, he need to stop crying. Like, I just saw that last week. I think um, a baby, like, fell. And the person was like, let him go. He'll shake it off. He's a boy. But the little girl, a couple minutes ago, the little girl said, oh, my God, what's wrong? What happened? Let me see. If it's a little yeah. girl, they cater into you. But or when little boys do little things, that they dance a little certain way, they'd be like, no, he's a guy. Stop. Like, it was like, oh, he, he wants something. He started, like, things kids do. Like, they want something. They start fussing about it. And if the little boy cries and fuss about it, they'd be like, no, no, he don't need to be fussed about it. Tell him to stop crying. Little girl fuss about it. Oh, give it to her. Give it to her. Yeah, no, no, that starts at a young age. Yeah, it's those little things that start. And when, um, thank you for saying starting at the at a young age because that made me think about also how she said, um, you know, she noticed signs of depression early on, but didn't label it as depression. Mm -hmm. And it made me think of like, what if her parents were educated and stuff like that or her parents knew to like kind of pay attention to those type of things would it have been different like what do you think do you think that if parents actually know to look for these type of things would it be better or would it be any different as far as how they deal with it definitely I feel or how like the if, child if, deals with it if parents knew about those type of things, that they were aware of mental health, like she said, she does things differently for her son, right? And the thing that she's mm-hmm. doing differently with her son is for the better. And it's for a better outcome. So, like, my whole thing is, like, just, like she said, talking to your child or understanding their feelings. Like she said, when he, his son happened to his fire truck, he might cry. But don't underestimate what it did to him because it hurt mm-hmm. him. At the end of the day, like, so you got to acknowledge the feelings that a person is because at the end of the day, we're all human child, adult. You got to we got to understand each other's feelings, you know. So um, the whole thing of like, if I feel like if her parents were more aware or if parents of children that have mental health disorders or or parents that understand mental health, it'll be a much better outcome because they'll be more attentive and 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 then the end result would be less destructive. I so. agree. And not only not only recognizing mental health but just acknowledging your child's emotions. Mm-hmm. Like I think that can make a huge difference in a child like just talking to them, trying to understand why they're upset. If it doesn't make sense to you, it makes sense to them for some reason. I know like growing up you didn't want to be in a bad mood sometimes because they're going to be like, eh, Gina de Balatui. Or yes. they'll say something like, um, she's in one of her moods. Let's leave her alone. She's just one of her moods. Oh and they kind of disregard your feelings. And that can, like, just think about it. Like, it brings you, like, PTSD <sighs> or something. like. <laughs> but it was real. And I feel like those type of things kind of groomed us to not want to show our emotions too much. Like, if I get into a mood, I want to deal with it by myself mm-hmm. because I feel like if I express it, it's going to be like, oh, you've always been like that. You just always get, um, just have your moments. So you just, like, there's a reason. There's a reason for every um, emotion. 
Mm-hmm. And we're so we're so conditioned to disregarding people's feelings. And just because we don't understand it, we kind of it's so easy for us to say that whatever they're going to through is not important. So I I think there'll be something that could help with us knowing as a young generation passing it on to future generations just using that that skill and not continuing to do it to our children but also but rather learning from it and doing better right talk to your kids ask them why they feel a certain way mm-hmm. just Let because them you don't think through their thoughts right just because you don't understand it doesn't mean that it it's nothing doesn't mean that they don't have a right to feel the way they feel just because you don't understand it like you gotta yeah embrace that emotion that's why a lot of even with females a lot of females grow up being emotionless like or just growing up having to brush things off their shoulders or they don't want to cry because they feel weak if they cry like it's just yeah, wild and we're so we're so um well i, I would say all right like in the African community, we're not supposed to feel certain ways about certain things. Like, mm-hmm. certain things that people say to you, you're not even supposed to feel a certain way about it. And they, you know, they like to say it's because we're soft. <laughs> yeah, they'll or say, like, oh, you, just... got a, you got a tender heart or whatever. Like, you do sugabun. Like, or they'll say, mm-hmm. like, you're so sensitive. Like, even and especially with the weight thing, too. Like, they'll say, oh, you're getting too skinny or you're getting too fat. You don't know if the person is depressed. Or whatever the case may be, you coming up always what they going through. identifying them or calling them out on their appearance, but you don't know what they're going through. Like, um, we all have mirrors. We can see ourselves, but like you, you make things worse. Or if they, or if you tell somebody like, situ- I've seen situations where somebody open up to somebody and say, oh, they're depressed. Da, da, da. Oh, I give you everything. You have this, you have that, you have this. Oh, all mm-hmm. your life I did this. Your father provides for you. Mother provides for you. Do all the, just like finding excuses to yeah. disregard the fact that their child has depression or anxiety, but it, and it, or they make it to seem like it's based off of the way things they did or things that that's going they on in their themselves. lives. But it's like no, it's really a mental health problem. Like it's really something that I need to see a doctor about. Well, so. At one point, Brianna said she ended up going to therapy, but she didn't tell her parents for two years. That's a long time. Yeah, like, and that just says a lot within itself. Like, do you think, (laughs) do you think you would tell your parents if you ever wanted to go to therapy? Hell no. Even if knowing that, no, even with me personally, like, I know I'm not diagnosed with mental health or anxiety or anything like that, but I feel like everybody needs therapy for anything and everything. Like, everybody needs therapy for something. Like, but I would never tell my mama. <laughs> like, I would never tell mom. <laughs> I would never tell nobody. I'm like any elder that I go to therapy, any, any auntie, uncle, mommy, daddy. I'm not telling them nothing, like, cause they're gonna be like, I Damn, agree with you. You can't talk to me. They're gonna be like, you can't talk to me, especially like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you can't tell me I'm supposed to be your friend. Like, you can't talk to me. We here for you, da, 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 da. but it's like you're not gonna understand or receive it the way a therapist would, like a certified doctor would. You know what I'm saying? 
Or like I just mm-hmm. I just would never do that. Like don't cause they gonna label me as crazy. Or they gonna try to anything that happens around the house, they're gonna be like, Oh, that's cause you seen a therapist. Like that's why you seen a therapist <laughs> now. Oh you oh you mad at me, you rolling your eyes, you suck your teeth, that's why you seen a therapist now. So it was like, nah, I'm good. That's so true. That's so <laughs> true because and I agree, I agree with you. Like I probably wouldn't I really probably wouldn't tell anybody. Like uh-huh. because like you said, it's going to put you in a box. And this just this just shows how far we are from understanding emotions, understanding mental health. And um, it's not like it doesn't exist. It's there, but we just put in a blanket over it. Like our parents, our parents' parents, they've never really had to address those type of situations. It's just you either normal or you crazy. And if you, if I was like, I'm going to therapy to talk to someone about my problems, you don't need to pay anybody to do that. Or you just being extra. What are you crazy? Are you bipolar? Are you schizophrenic? <laughs> you got anxiety? You got you, you anxiety? You anxiety? Like, it's just I'm not crying. going to be an easy conversation. And or you just being dramatic. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they're they just going to find any... They're just going to try to find something tangible to blame it on. You know how I get. Everybody in, my, in this house think I'm bipolar. And they just think I just be extra. And I'm just dramatic. But it's like, no, I got the right to feel the way I want to feel. Don't tell me I'm extra or dramatic. I'm going to dramatize if I want to dramatize. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely... I don't think we're at a place where we can be comfortable enough. I think we have a a friend, a very close friend that goes to therapy and they just don't tell their parents about it. And Mm -hmm. I would do the same thing. I don't think we're in a place. I don't think we're in a place yet where we could say to our parents, personally, I don't think we're in a place where we can say to our parents that we're going to go to therapy. Maybe there are some parents out there and that's good. Yeah, like, the thing I learned from that, too, is that even when they do hide from their parents that they go to therapy and stuff like that, that could benefit the parent as well. Because when you go to therapy, you learn reasons and uh, reasons behind your actions, reasons behind your parents' actions and things like that. So you'll be able to handle situations better. Like, mm-hmm. you'll be, it, it, without them knowing you're going to therapy, they might be like, oh, something's changing about you. But you ain't got to know where mm-hmm. I, I learned that from. So, but it it it'll be beneficial to them too, or you can help them figure out what's wrong with them. That's like true. Brianna said, she helped her mother figure out what was going on with her. Yep, yep, and you know they were she was able to acknowledge whatever she was going on with her too. Yeah, and I feel like we have so many we we can even pinpoint if anybody. Just sit down and think about it. You can probably pinpoint someone in your family that's probably going through something mentally. Mm-hmm. and But they don't want to acknowledge it. Yeah. Or no one's going to acknowledge it. It's just going to become that person. Yeah, it's just going to become that person. Like, that person is crazy. Don't Like, that person is this, that person is that. It's not going to be dissect mm-hmm. um, into what it could really be. But I really loved this conversation, and I'm glad that she was willing to do yeah. the interview and 
break down what she went through because it it sparked a lot of ideas and thoughts in my mind mm-hmm. and progress. <laughs> right. Right. I love I love to see her progress. I really do. It's it's crazy. It's like a three sixty. And then like, yo, but seriously though, like a thing I think about a lot is um the people that support the people that have mental health issues, the people that help them, like their their spouses, in your case, your best friend, um, um, brothers, sisters, and things like that. Like, how did that, like, being in the time with that dark period with her and being by her side and being there and not ever experiencing mental health on that level, how was that? Like, what did you learn from that? Ooh. I've never been asked that question. <laughs> um, I learned a lot about, of course, what it means to be in her shoes. Of course, I'm I'm never going to know exactly what it was like to be in her shoes. But I, I saw it like firsthand. And it wasn't easy. I'm not going to say it was easy from my point of view. Um, but... I think the only reason why it wasn't easy is because I cared so much about her and her well-being that I didn't want to give up on her. Because if I wanted to give up on her, I could just be like, you on your own. And I didn't always have the answers, which was kind of like rough in the beginning, because in the very beginning, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. (laughs) Like, I didn't know the right things to do, but... You know, her journey helped me grow as a person too. Mm-hmm. Learning how to be there for somebody, um, in a in a beneficial way. Um, so I learned a lot, but it wasn't easy. Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, it's because I I cared about her well being. I didn't want to leave her hanging. Um. So, you know, when you you want to be there for somebody like that, you have to be in the work. You have to put in the work. If you want to be there for someone you care about and they're going through something, you're going to have to put in the work, too, to make sure that whatever they're going through, you're there for them. Mm -hmm. You're making sure that they're okay. Because if I didn't care, it wouldn't be difficult at all. Yeah. And also, you took from that to be more attentive with certain people. Because I've had close friends with mental health disorders. I never been put in a situation like you where I had to like really put my all into it, but I learned to um be more attentive to other people's feelings off of that. Like I learned that um the way I feel about the level of the level of them being distraught is not my business. Like that's not the mm-hmm. they feel the way they feel. Like I can't rate it from 1 to 10 like I dropped my phone off a 12-story building. She dropped her phone out the window of a one-story building. It still fell. Like, the outcome is different mm-hmm. from for the both of us. Like, so. And how yeah. we're going to deal with it is going to be different. different. Yeah, we feel things differently. I could just be like, oh, I'm going to brush it off. Oh, this is all I got right now. Like, this, she's probably going to take it harder. Oh, this is all I got right now. So I learned to be more attentive with people, more patient. Yeah. And and everything is a learning opportunity. We don't expect everyone to have the answers to everything. Um and of course no one's gonna have the answers to everything unless you insert yourself and try to figure out those answers. 
because it's not going to fall on your lap. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah and also also seek therapy man like you feel like you need it seek therapy there are resources it might be hard to find it as an african-american it might be hard to find it as an african child but there, there are resources out there so and even if it's easy to find it as an African child, it might it might be hard to want to get up and do it. Yeah, no, <laughs> seriously, it's not. We easy. can easily tell people. We can easily tell people seek seek therapy, but even for us, for me, <laughs> it's not going to be easy for me to just get up and say I'm no, going to seek therapy. No, no. There's going to be a not, lot of layers. It's not an easy layers. process, but it's necessary though. Like it, it's, it's not an I easy think process. It's, it's necessary. Yeah. Um, but thank you for tuning in to um, this episode. It was nice to talk about something that um, is not always talked about. And especially during these times where there's so much going on in the world. Sometimes we need to just take a seat back and acknowledge our feelings and understand um, what's going on up there. So if you have any questions or you just want to continue the conversation you can find us at we the first podcast on instagram and you can email us at we the first podcast at gmail.com thank you guys for tuning in it's been real